Okay, here we go. Well, you, you said you wanted to do – we'll just talk about Duke in the beginning and how they got this game, and then we'll just do recruiting on the back end. Yeah, that works for you. That works. Okay. Three, two, one. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. You probably noticed no intro music or exit music for this podcast. That's because my MacBook um, has died and I'm working on a backup MacBook and I can't get access to the music. So uh, <laughs> hopefully this sounds good. Um, this has happened probably at one of the worst times and it's super annoying. Uh, but hopefully uh, we can power through this podcast. It's 2020. We got to be adaptable. Uh, you're, you're achieving that with your backup Mac. And, uh, you know, Miami's football program had to be adaptable. Uh, they got Duke. It's Duke week. So uh, always a weird game. We'll get into it. But uh, how was your Thanksgiving? How'd this smoked turkey and smoked ham turn out? Uh, it was amazing, man. It was, uh, it was good. It was a hit. We ate the leftovers for a few days. Uh, had a pumpkin cheesecake as Ooh. well. Um, so I probably put on some pounds, but made sure to get into the gym over the course of a few days. What about you? Good. Yeah. I ate too much sweet potato casserole and pecan pie. Um, lots of good stuff. It, it was a nice time to hang out, uh, watch some college football. It was a good weekend, but I'm ready to get back into game week mode and watch the Hurricanes play this Saturday. Yeah. Um, so Miami, I, I think we actually kind of called this on the podcast. Like, do we think the final three games that were scheduled were going to be played out as is and I think me and you both said no. Um, right. uh, so Miami was scheduled to travel to Wake Forest on December 5th, uh, this upcoming Saturday. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think they're dealing with some contact tracing type stuff. So Miami is now traveling to Duke uh, because Duke's game against Florida State has been canceled. I think Florida State's got like, yeah. I, I don't even, <laughs> what are they down to like 40 scholarship players? They just had a guy opt out right before this uh this podcast so anyways it is what it is Miami is traveling to Duke um what is your initial kind of thoughts because I, I I got some I got some takes here <laughs> well first you know the first I think fair uh feeling going into this game is that it is an extremely winnable game now Duke is you know, the last two, last two seasons, Duke has beat Miami. So, you know, it's not like Miami can totally expect to beat Duke, unfortunately. Uh, but this year's team is different, which we'll get into later in this podcast. But my first reaction was, hey, this is a much more winnable game than the originally scheduled Wake Forest game. Uh, so Miami should handle business. Now, there's still a lot of uncertainty and, and up in the air uh, situations going into this game in terms of who's going to be available. Uh, you know, as Miami was getting their own COVID situation under wraps, uh, I think the, the practice buildup is going to be unique this week compared to normal game weeks uh, because 
frankly, the program hasn't been doing much uh, during their, their previous two weeks off. So there is some oddities going into this game. But, you know, as long as Derek King is playing, Miami should win this game. Yeah. Uh, the betting line on Monday opened up at, in some places, at 16 and a half points. It is now down to 15 and a half points. Duke is two and seven on the season. Um, they had a two week hiatus of their own, came back last week and played Georgia Tech, lost to the Yellow Jackets. So it's not been a good year for um, David Cutcliffe's squad. You bring up Miami, they've lost two straight to Duke. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> kind of weird that they're going back on the road to Duke in, in a, a second consecutive season. Um, one thing when I was just doing some research that really stood out to me, and this just doesn't even apply to this upcoming Saturday's game, but really the, the rest of the games um, this month. And obviously, you know, it's, it's weird. It's COVID. Everything's been pushed back. But Miami is 1-9 against the spread in their last 10 games played in the month of December, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think the line is fair. But if I was myself, I would not bet Miami to cover. I think Miami's going to win. But, you know, and, and we've seen Miami this season in general, too. They kind of play, except for Clemson, uh, they play kind of to their competition a lot of the times. Um, so I, I think Miami's going to win. I think the potential is there for a blowout. Don't get me wrong. But just from what we've seen from this team so far this year, uh, you know, the stuff I mentioned going into this game that just makes things weird from a preparation standpoint with Miami, I would, I would not bet Miami to cover 17 points. What do you think? Yeah, I would lean, um, I, I would lean towards Duke. Look, what is the big, the big storyline of the Manny Diaz era at Miami? Uh, how the hurricanes play coming off buys and you just had a unexpected two week buy due to a COVID-19 outbreak. It's hard to imagine that Miami is going to come out firing on all cylinders. Let me, let me give you some stats on this year's Duke team that might change your mind in terms of betting on Miami. Again, <laughs> I'm not doing it, but let me, let me throw some stuff at you that, you know, kind of tells you how terrible this Duke team is because I do think this Duke team is going to by far be the worst team Miami has played up to this point. Um, Duke leads the country in turnovers lost. They have lost 30 turnovers this season. Um, the next most in terms of turnovers lost is Louisville with 24, so six less than Duke. Uh, the next after them is Georgia Tech with 22. Um, so Duke... <laughs> Duke is really good at turning the ball over, um, which puts their defense ha, has put their defense in tough situations. Duke is allowing 35 points per game. A lot of that is due to short fields that the offense is putting their defense in. Uh, quarterback Chase Bryce, who's a Clemson transfer, has thrown 13 interceptions. In general, I think like Duke, Miami is a bad matchup for Duke because their offensive line has not been good, particularly their offensive tackles really struggle to uh, pass protect and their wide receivers, quite frankly, aren't all that scary. They're all just kind of like 
possession guys who don't really worry you with the speed they bring to the field. Um, so I, I think what, like the little bit I've watched of Duke so far, those receivers kind of struggle to get separation, which causes quarterback Chase Bryce to hold the ball long. And when that happens, it's going to be a sack or it's going to be an interception or a tough throw under pressure, um, which, which kind of feeds into Miami's strengths as a defense and hides their weaknesses, to be honest, because I think uh, this secondary has shown that when they face teams that have fairly decent wide receivers, not even good, but just decent, they can struggle to cover them. I'm not, this Duke wide receiver group doesn't really scare me. Um, one thing I think that is worth pointing out that this Duke team does do well is rush the passer. They got two of the best edge rushers uh, in the ACC in Chris Rumpf the second and Victor Dimukihi. I think I said that correctly, but both those guys are, have a combined 15 sacks, 15 and a half sacks, I believe. They're second and third in the conference in pressures. I don't think they're quite as good as the Pittsburgh edge rush duo, but you could make the argument they're, you know, second, third, fourth in the ACC uh, in terms of edge rush duos, uh, which I'm not sure the average fan would expect from a Duke team. So, and, you know, if you remember last year, uh, which I want to get into here in a little bit, but one of the reasons why Miami lost to Duke last year was because the offensive line just could not block Duke up front. So that's your quick little snapshot on Duke. Um, can, can we review just how weird these Duke losses have been in general for Miami? And the point I'm trying to make is why I think this year is going to be different. Is that fair? You got time for that? I'm, I have nowhere to go. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> so I think, you know, one of the reasons why adding Derek King was so important uh, for this Miami team beyond the, the obvious, like, yeah, he's just a much better quarterback than, than what we've seen is I think it mitigates the chances that Miami loses to average to below average teams like Duke. Um, so last year, Miami's quarterbacks were a horrid 13 of 35 for 161 yards and they were sacked a combined nine times. The year before in the Duke loss, Miami's quarterbacks were 13 of 28 for 111 yards. So when your quarterbacks are producing that inefficiently and just not at a high level period, it's gonna make it a lot easier. Your margin uh, for error is narrow. And it's going to be hard to win games when that's the case. So I think Derek King, uh, you know, he, he, of course, is a higher caliber player than what we've seen the last two years. And so if he comes out and just plays like Derek King, Miami's chances to win, I think, just win the game. I'm not saying cover the spread, but win the game are significant. Um, last year's game, too, beyond the poor quarterback play, they were really uh, injury riddled, I would say, in that game. Uh, you know, that's the game Navon Donaldson got hurt. He only played 10 snaps. Uh, and then Miami was trying to like mix and match different guys on the offensive lines. Alante Hillary 
played 11 snaps. John Campbell played 23 snaps. Kylie on Herbert played 40 snaps. Um, they all struggled to block up Chris Rumpf, who had a ridiculous 13 pressures in that game. Like, and to just quantify that, like, anytime a defensive lineman gets four pressures in a game, that's kind of like a phenomenal game. So uh, Chris Rumpf had 13, along with, I believe, three and a half sacks. Um, so they were injury injuries on the offensive line. Cam Harris got hurt in the game, and DJ Dallas was already hurt. So I don't know if you remember this, Andrew, but Robert Birds was the leader in carries. He had 18 carries in that game for 48 yards. Brevin Jordan was hurt. So Will Mallory was carrying the load at tight end. And then Jeff Thomas played, but he was only targeted twice and had zero catches in the game. So uh, just a weird game. Also to be on that, like Miami, of course, had lost the previous week to FIU. So the general vibes going into that game, this, this Duke game were not good. In 2018, the vibes were also not good. They had lost to Boston College the previous week. And then I, I believe the week before that, they lost to Virginia. Um, so they were riding a two-game losing streak going into the Duke game. This game was also weird. It was, I don't know if you remember this too, Andrew, but it was a like super rainy game, rained a ton during the game. Uh, Duke uh, exploded with a 75-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. So they kind of jumped on Miami. We talked about how Miami's quarterback struggled. Um, it, was an, it was a game, too, where the special teams, the specialists, were really poor. Uh, Miami had eight punts for an average of 36 yards. And Bubba Baxa had a field goal blocked in that game. Um, one of the interesting, like just showing how weird this game was, Travis Homer ran for 133 yards and one touchdown. And DJ Dallas ran for 124 yards and one touchdown. And Miami lost the game 20 to 12. So uh, Duke games have been weird. But again, I think in general, the vibes going into this Duke game, Miami, of course, is riding a little bit of a winning streak. Uh, and then the quarterback play is going to be competent to good, which should equal a win over Duke. How good is that win going to look? I don't know. You know, I, I think at this stage of the season, I don't think you can be picky about how your wins look because it's just turning into a weird year where anytime your team can play games and win them, you just need to be thankful for it. So uh, should Miami win the game? Yes. How pretty is it going to be? I don't know about that. What I also think is crazy about last year's Duke game is Robert Burns had 18 carries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the leading rusher, 48 like, yards. Insane. Yeah, yeah. So it was – it was a bad game. And do you remember, I think that's the game too. It's gone somewhat viral in these Miami hurricane circles where was that the game where it rained a little bit and Dan Enos had no, like, no, 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 That was the bowl game. Okay. That was the bowl game. Okay. I think it was right. Am I wrong? I don't, I don't know. You could be right, but there was a game anyways, where 
you know, it's raining and Dan Enos has his play sheet and it's literally just paper. It's not like <laughs> laminated. So it's like limp and like, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. And it was just in general, uh, kind of how the Dan Enos era went at Miami. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Duke games the last two years have been weird, uh, but this is a worse Duke team than those two Duke teams. And of course, this Miami team is better than those Miami teams. And, you know, for the reasons I, I already stated, I feel like Miami should win this game. Uh, but again, how pretty is it going to be? Who knows? It, it's, it's too hard to know, like, what variables Miami's dealing with at this stage. Right. I think one of a, a worst case scenario would be you're limited once again on the offensive line, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. I mean, so many of those guys in that unit have already been held out of games at, at certain points. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you are down some tackles, that's, that's not going to be good. Yeah. Just, just because you got Chris Rumpf, who's an NFL guy, the other guy who I, I can't even pronounce his name, uh, but that'd be the one right. thing where I'm, I'm concerned. That's fair. Yes. If, if the tackles are down, Things will get interesting. I think that's fair to say. I, you know, Blake Baker said he expects, he talked on Monday. He said he expects most of his defensive guys to be back that were out against Virginia Tech. So that would include guys like uh, your boy, Zach McLeod, uh, Jafari Harvey, Jared Harrison Hunt. Um, so that, those are some rotational or starter guys that are important with the depth. Um, but yeah, in terms of offensive line, I think they're definitely going to have like, I would assume John Campbell will be back. I don't know. I would assume Ja'Kai Clark will be back um, just because they were out for Virginia Tech. But yeah, who knows, like with contact tracing or, or even if they contracted COVID-19, hopefully Ian Nelson and, and Jared Williams, who knows what their statuses are. You were correct. It was the Duke game with the with the play sheet. <laughs> Just amazing. If you got, how do you Google it? What'd you Google search to find it? Dan Eno's play sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not familiar with this uh, picture, go ahead and look and have a laugh at what Miami Hurricanes football was in 2019. Yeah, and then and then in the bowl game, he gave Tate Martell a a series. In the bowl that. game, they couldn't get into the red zone against Louisiana Tech. I know. How far have they come? <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got on Duke. You have anything else on Duke, or should we take a break and jump into some recruiting? Uh, well, last thing, I guess, how do you do? You think the other games happen? So we know they're going to play Duke this weekend. Like, I, I guess, would, are you confident that they get North Carolina then – or, or it's just too hard to say man like I think Miami now is going to be I would assume Miami's kind of over their quote-unquote situations moving forward but like what's North Carolina going to be like right I think that's the the question like is North Carolina going to be okay I mean I have no reason to think otherwise right now but who knows you know two weeks from now or whatever um, what they look like and then Georgia Tech I think the same could be said of them so at this point, I just think you got to take it week by week. Um, I do think if Miami's good to go, we've seen the ACC be willing to give games if it's possible. So is Miami's season over after Duke? I'm not willing, like regular season. 
I'm not willing to say that yet because I think the ACC showing uh, the willingness to be adaptable. If, if, if it, if there are situations that allow them to be adaptable. Yeah. I just, I don't understand how we're getting conference title games and bowl games all in the next four weeks. And yeah. there's an early signing period in there. Like I don't, I'm, 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 sti- I'm sticking to my, my initial thought. There's going to be like regular season games played in January. That's just what I think. Ooh, really? Okay. I don't know about that, but yeah, I mean, I think we're going to lose. I don't know. Like we're going to lose games around the country and will Miami, like, is Miami going to play three games, three regular season games? I would probably be surprised if that's the case, but you know, can Miami play two more games? I, I, I'm optimistic that that could happen. How, like who, (laughs) I was talking about this on the radio with Manny Navarro. Like, what what if we get the – if you play two more games and then you get a bowl game against Florida in the Orange Bowl, like, that would be just as like, – you know, could you draw that up better or no? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the Orange – it makes sense for – assuming Florida's out of the college football playoff, I think that matchup makes a lot of sense for all the parties involved, right? You don't have to travel too much for the bowl game. It's a nice little rivalry game uh, from a Miami and Florida perspective. It's a uh, big time bowl game. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that would make sense for all parties involved. But, you know, I think Miami in particular, they got to handle their business still moving forward. We'll see what happens if they are able to play North Carolina. We'll see what happens to play it, uh, in that game. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Coming up on the other side, going to get into a bunch of recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, David, we we teased it. We are in the month of December. Um, Yeah. In previous years, Miami's coaches would probably be out on the road right now uh, recruiting. But that is not the case. Uh, they are locked in with the season. But there's been a ton of movement really in the past, oh, I don't know, week on the recruiting yeah. front. Um, Since we recorded last. Yeah, yeah. But just big picture nationally wise. I mean, there were six prospects that decommitted from Power 5 schools on Monday. Uh, that makes 19 over the past week. There was one more on Tuesday morning. So we're kind of getting into the... Uh, crunch time, time where schools are looking to improve commit lists, um, 
schools are, you know, maybe parting ways with guys, but it, recruiting season is here. It's just weird because it's intertwined with the college football season. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough year. <laughs> it's a tough year from an evaluation standpoint. And it's a tough year from a recruiting standpoint because, uh, you know, you have all these guys decommitting now, which, you know, I'm here for it, like make the best decision you can make. But, you know, these guys can't then go take official visits and make, uh, you know, the best, most informed decision, I guess they could possibly make. So it's going to be interesting. I think this is just my take. I think uh, this class could have even more transfer portal guys, you know, in future years, just because of the weirdness of recruiting during this 2020 calendar year. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how Miami closes up. Should we get into some of these decommits that, that Miami's kind of interested in? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a pair of it's there. They were both uh, Tennessee volunteer commits. Right. And, uh, you know, they're having a rough season up in Tennessee. And so both these guys are from the state of Florida. Let's start with the guy who decommitted uh, last week, cornerback Demarius McGee. We've talked about him a bunch on this podcast, but he's kind of a lengthy quarterback cornerback with the athletic traits everyone desires. Um, when he decommitted, what was it? Uh, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, I forget exactly. It was, the it was on Thanksgiving. So when he decommitted, uh, do you think Miami was surprised? Did they know it was coming? And just what, where, where does Miami stand in this, at this stage with him? Well, he's, he's definitely uh, atop the cornerback board right now. Um, was Miami surprised? I do not think so. Um, they, they have, been trying to um, get involved with, with Demarius McGee. I mean, uh, I, I think Miami at some point watched the senior tape and, and the decision was made that, hey, we want to go after this guy. Um, so they weren't surprised. I know there have been conversations between Demarius and some of the Miami staff, and I know mom was in there as well. So not, not surprising. Um, I just think there's going to be a ton of competition to get Demarius McGee. And the good news is though, that he is not planning to uh, sign early from what I've gathered. I don't think he's done any interviews, but it sounds like okay. he's not in a, in a, in a rush. And I think that in some ways kind of works in, in Miami's favor that he's not going to sign in December. And instead of waiting until um, February. Do you feel like that works in Miami's favor because Miami's willing to be patient and hold a spot for him? Or why do you say that? Well, I just, I, I think it allows you to figure out, um, you know, what's going on with uh, the rest of the board and your number situation and, and transfers and all that. So uh, that's why I think it's, you know, kind of works out for Miami. And the big competition there is who? Well, LSU's in there. Um, Tennessee, I, I think is still a player. Ole Miss is rumored to be in there, but Miami's is involved now. Demarius has never visited Miami before and, and he's at Pensacola Catholic. Yeah. That's in the state of Florida, but David, me and you know, both that's, yeah. I mean, heck he might as well be up in somewhere in Georgia. I mean, that's pretty far away. Um, so a, a, a ton of schools are going to want him. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. You talk about athletic profiles or what we kind of look for 
in cornerback in cornerbacks. I mean, he's a two way guy. Uh, he's played. I think it was a, lot, a ton of quarterback as a as a junior. Uh, played some some wide receiver here as a senior. Good testing numbers, four five over six foot one. So it's, it's a one that a lot of schools are going to want. Um, so not surprising that the SEC's trying to get involved there. The other Tennessee commit is more of a local guy, uh, Miami Central linebacker Terrence Lewis, uh, five star, I believe, according to the composite. Uh, were you surprised, or do you think Miami was surprised by him decommitting? Oh, I mean, I wasn't surprised. Was Miami de- surprised? Uh, who who knows? But look, I mean, Terrence Lewis is kind of just what South Florida recruiting is. I mean, I, I you almost forget that he was at one time committed to Florida. Right. Um, you know, so am I surprised that he's opened his recruitment up for a second time? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I talked to Terrence and maybe it was August or September told me that LSU Mississippi state were still talking to him. And you knew at some point, um, as we got closer to the finish line, more people were going to probably hit up that phone. So He's opened that recruitment back up. Uh, I said it what on the last podcast when we did the full mailbag. Like, I don't think the door is completely shut on Miami and Terrence Lewis. And not to sound like a broken record, because I've I've said this really, I don't know, for the past couple of months. Like, it would have to make sense for Miami to take Terrence Lewis. So, what does that mean? We all know that there's some off the field issues with him. Uh, but Miami's wants to take the right guys and they want to take guys that want to be at Miami. So that means Terrence would have to be on board. And I think there's some people that are wondering if he wants to stay in Miami, if he would go to Miami and be okay with not starting day one or or something crazy like that. So I think that's all being taken into account. You know, Miami understands that Terrence is a very, 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 very talented player uh, with some upside, a, a blue chip talent, a guy, who could be a multi-year starter in the ACC, but at the same time, you know, there's some, there's some flags that are up and it, Miami isn't the only school that has right. re- relayed that information. I mean, you got to kind of weigh these things out and look, Manny is trying to build a program. You know, he wants long-term success. Whereas I think some other staffs, um, you know, maybe they want to win signing day, 2020 to, to to keep this the ball rolling you know they're in a different spot where they can maybe oversee some of the issues that other staffs have so i think that, that all needs to be taken into account i get it i understand the frustration from miami fans i mean i'm just just passing along the info do you think in a way so the way i kind of read this i like are they slow playing each other in a way like it seems like terrence has never really been kind of all in on Miami. Uh, is that fair to say? I, w- I would think so. Um, okay. I mean, heck, I-, I remember I have a photo of him after Miami's spring game at right. Traz Powell, where he's thrown up the U with Donnell Harris, Khalil Brantley, Romello Brinson, and, and some other guys. Like, I think there's always been interest. And, you know, I- it was a couple hours after that, that scrimmage he was at, at Traz that he decommitted from, from Florida. So no, I, you know, again, lately, I I guess it seems like there's not much interest there. Correct. Which isn't like, to me, you know, it is interesting because he is friends with a lot of these guys that are committed to Miami, right? Like the Northwestern guys, I think James Williams, he, he has a good relationship with. And I think too, like, yeah, you don't want to promise 
Terrence Lewis or even like expect him uh, to be a, a freshman starter. But I think if he applied himself and went about things the right way, he legitimately could be a freshman starter. Now, is he going to be dedicated to the process of getting to that point? Who knows? Um, but I think in terms of like being able to play with guys who you would like to play with and the potential to see the field early, Miami kind of checks those boxes for Terrence, but for whatever reason, he doesn't really feel Miami as much as other programs. That's just my read on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand both sides right now. I, I would not project him to sign with Miami. So, I mean, that's just the, the reality. You had an interesting note on Terry and Arnold, who is a safety out of the Tallahassee area. What, what do we need to know there? Well, he just put out his top five or, or his final five, and I, I don't think Miami actually made the cut. Look, I, I've been saying for a while with, with Terry and you know, the Hurricanes are on the outside looking in. The SEC is going to be hard to beat. I think Florida – is probably in the driver's seat. Georgia's in there, Texas A&M. You know, he knows Jimbo from his days at Florida State. Tarion's obviously in Tallahassee. Um, but Tarion told me in a message that he's hoping to visit Miami at some point down the line on his own. So we'll see if that happens. I know he's playing basketball. He's a very good basketball prospect. So I, th- I think that could make things a little bit difficult. But Miami likes Tarion as, as a corner. You know, I think he's... 1B on, on the cornerback board right next to Demarius McGee. I, I just think he's probably a long shot as well. And he's a guy that's going to decide in February, right? So right. he's that yep. second signing day. Okay. Yep. Um, I guess one guy I want to ask you about cornerback, Jaden McBurrows. Um, would you say he's like the top plan B option? Well, I don't even know if he'll end up, you know, if you classify him as a plan B. I mean, to my okay. understanding, and I, and I wrote this on, on Black Friday, like Miami's going to keep swinging at, at Demarius McGee and uh, Terry and Arnold. Like those are tier one. Um, and maybe more guys enter into that group if uh, there's more transition and turnover in, the, in that coaching carousel. More guys are, are fired and – um, some guys move around. So I, I think they're going to try to shoot for what we maybe consider like a blue chip guy. And then they're going to have to take someone that's going to sign in uh, December. And I, I think Jaden McBurrows, or I don't think, I mean, I know he's in the conversation. Uh, Charles Brantley, a, a corner out of Venice, who's committed to Michigan State. He, he's been mentioned as well. And there's a ton of options throughout the state. But to me, I think the guy that makes the most sense is uh, Jaden McBurrows out of all the local corners that I've seen play this season. I think he's had the best season. You know, he picked off six passes as a junior um, already has two pick sixes this season as a senior on the smaller side, but I'll tell you the guy he reminds me of is Trajan Bandy. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just, you know, a shade under five, nine probably, but he's a thick 180 pounds. Um, fearless with the body in terms of tackling and, and real instinctive will sniff out quick screens um, can defend the short route. So I, I think, you know, doesn't have the measurables and a, a lot of people are going to moan and groan because that was the, the knock on Tim Burns. But I think McBurrows is thicker, ha, has the muscle. And I think he would make 
a ton of sense, especially if, you know, you buy into and subscribe to what Manny says about keeping South Florida's talent home and, and, and getting guys that want to be at Miami. And now Jaden is committed to Michigan. Um, who knows what will happen there in, in, right. in Arbor because they are not in a good spot. And, you know, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to be gone, but I, I think there'll be some staff turnover. Two more guys, two more high school guys. Just we can get through it quick. I think Pat Payton, the Northwestern defensive end, currently committed to Nebraska. Anything new there? Um, an- another thing that I wrote, you know, last week for the inside, inside the U subscribers. Look, Miami likes Patrick Payton. Uh, I just think the current makeup of Miami's defensive line room could could make it hard to take another high school pass rusher. Uh, another defensive end from the high school ranks and why um, we know Quincy Roche is probably going pro. I mean, already accepted the invite to the senior bowl that pretty much tells us what we need to know, but Jalen Phillips, um, the former number one recruit in the country, the five-star transfer out of UCLA, you know, he he's really elevated his play. And I think there's some people that think he yeah. could declare for the draft. And if he goes all of a sudden your defensive line room is pretty, it's pretty green. Now I, I know the staff likes Jafari Harvey. I'm a big Cam Williams fan. You got Chance Williams in there. Um, but I could see if there's an available counter, it right. might make more sense for Miami to go after some veteran. And me and you are both expecting a huge, yeah. you know, year of, of transfers and movement across the board. So I think it would make maybe make more sense to get to get a plug and play guy that can maybe work opposite of Jafari Harvey than it would be to go get a Patrick Payton who at the end of the day is pretty familiar or not familiar but pretty similar to the defensive end you already have committed in Jabari Ishmael in terms of them both being long um, developmental types right and then Austin Barber offensive lineman from the Jacksonville area Uh, three-star guy but a guy who can really have a presence in the running game he hasn't been offered yet, right, Andrew? Um, I guess the question is, do you like? Do you think Miami will make a move there? I don't know. I mean, the numbers situation is 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 it's tight. Um, I think if they were to offer Austin Barber, like I think they would get him. You know, Austin was committed to Minnesota, a school he had never been to. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't punch it in Google Maps, but I, I think Jacksonville, Florida, too. Minneapolis is, is, is a trek. Um, and he wanted to play somewhere where it was closer and easier for his family to get to because they don't fly. Um, so right now it's, it sounds like from what I've gathered, the schools in the mix, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Virginia tech and Maryland. And, and guess what? I mean, those are all still further away than it is from uh, Jacksonville to Coral Gable. So if they offered, I think, they could get him. And, and to me, it, it might make some sense. You know, he's an athletic yeah. tackle, um, slim down a little bit, six, 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 seven, you know, depending on who's working the tape measure, uh, was well over 315 pounds, but he's kind of leaned out a little bit down to 295, hovering around there. Um, there's videos of him dunking and, and sandals, uh, you know, on, on Twitter. But man, if you could pair him, with uh, Michael McLaughlin, and then you got Lawrence Seymour and, and Ryan Rodriguez, and you're stacking that after yeah. Jalen Rivers. 
Isaiah Walker. I mean, you're going to have a pretty, pretty good, talented offensive line group and, and some athletic tackles. And what was the big issue for Miami, you know, one, two years ago? It was not having tackles. Right. Uh, and then I can't let you get out of here without uh, quarterback. Anything, <laughs> anything new there or just stay in the course? Um, look, man, I, I think they're still after – Jake Garcia, what happens with Jackson Dart will be interesting. Um, Explain who Jackson Dart is. So Jackson Dart is the nation's leading passer this year. He's out in Utah. Um, I think he's thrown for like 4,000 yards. or It's something wow. insane. Uh, no decision date for him, but this kind of all ties into Miami because he's got I – I guess he's considering BYU – UCLA, USC, Arizona State, and then some other West Coast school. Uh, BYU leads on the on the, on the crystal ball, but some people actually think, you know, he might want to go to USC. And as we know, USC already has two quarterbacks committed: Miller Moss uh, and Jake Garcia. So if Jackson Dart commits to the Trojans, or if he were to pick the Trojans, I mean, is, is Jake Garcia really going to go there? I mean, most quarterbacks think they're better than other quarterbacks, but that would be three arms all committed to the same school so maybe that would be uh the final straw or maybe that's what pushes jake over the edge to open things back up so that's something to monitor and and i'll close out the quarterback recruiting with this i talked to someone oh a few days ago and i asked you know I, i was just asking about quarterbacks and the future of the quarterbacks in general and what they quickly replied to me was uh we view we think the most or the most important quarterback recruit to me out there is the guy that's in our uh, in our locker room right now and i think they were yeah we all knew who they were referencing so yeah nikosi perry i agree with that <laughs> no uh yeah i mean dear king it's it, it is more important to get him back but certainly you want to keep stacking quality high school arms too if you can um so yeah I, that's all i got in recruiting anything else you want you want to touch on that i missed Oh man, um, that is it. Buckle up. We are. Uh... Yeah, it'll be interesting. Tell me this. Okay, I got one more. Um, so the guys that are committed now, and I'm asking you this off just off the top of your head. So I don't know if you can answer this fully accurately right now, but uh, you know, how many of the guys committed now do you expect to sign early? I would expect all of them. <laughs> all of them. Okay. Except here, here, for Savion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, okay. look, this has been the case for how many? Is this the third early signing period? Or is this number four? I think it's third. Okay. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Well, the case in the past has been Miami's essentially relayed to me that, like, if a kid doesn't sign early, we don't consider them as a commit. And, you know, that spot's going somewhere else. So that's been the case in years past. Right. And now we're in this 2021 cycle when counters are the most valuable they've ever been. Um, so yeah, right. maybe there, there's some, there are some guys, you know, a select few that Miami would probably have to think long and hard about, but I think if it, it push comes to shove and someone's like, Hey, I'm not ready to sign early. And then Miami's going to go, well, I can't guarantee you that counter. And then right. who knows two weeks later, some guy they, they want could be in the portal and then bam, you know, your spot is gone. So um I think Miami has a little leverage and look, I think most of these guys are going to want to sign. You can't take visits. You can't go anywhere else. I mean, what, why wouldn't you want to go to Miami? They're seven to one right now. Uh, Right. So that's, that's that's, where I was coming from with it. Like 
like these kids, the, these commits are pretty locked in, right? With Miami is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Not necessarily with Miami dropping guys. Right. But. No, I think they are. Okay. All right, man. I think that's it. Um, yeah. Game week. We'll do more of an in-depth thing on Duke probably Thursday, Friday. And uh, you know, it's December it's decommit season. It's early signing period season. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, you could still squeak in our Cyber Monday, Black Friday sale that was 75% off an annual subscription for 27 bucks. You get a year's worth of coverage. Uh, so jump on that if you still can uh, on Tuesday. But thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, later.